welcome back. Episode 49 of Underemployed. Uh, sorry for the long delay. We'll explain the long delay on a future episode of Underemployed, but for now, that's uh, that's personal business. But we are back. Uh, we are coming to you from... Uh, David, are you in D.C. or Fredericksburg right now? I'm in Arlington. Wow. Okay. Did not expect that. You're at your, uh, your parents' old house, I'm assuming. You broke in. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, this is... Uh, this is I, I have invaded a home. Uh, I am currently you know live streaming myself no one's in the home presently so this is just a home invasion yeah it's a victimless I mean, crime you're not stealing anything it's a breaking and entering yeah but i don't know i'm not a lawyer but it's not it's a victimless crime you're not robbing anything of yeah no, no I, I have no intentions of taking anything except maybe some pictures but, but those, yeah no i'm not i'm not gonna take anything i'm not gonna violate these people's safety at all obviously again it's a harmless uh, victimless crime exactly but uh so we have a lot to get to because it's been it's been uh so first of all uh, we should we should recap our mascot bracket which uh we gladly return to this year um as you might recall we uh we picked the greatly uh, great underdog drexel dragons to shock the world the 16 seed drexel dragons to shock the world burninate the the countryside as it were um that's a great reference to any of you who understand homestar stupid thatched roof cottages and uh i actually want to play peasant's quest after this i might actually legit do this after we stop recording because that got me excited again so uh david how did the drexel dragons do in the tournament uh they didn't even make it past the plan uh they they lost to illinois uh, unfortunately, but you know, they tried. I will say, shout out to the Loyola Ramblers, who I said I would have picked to go deep, and they won another two games this year. David, why they win two games? Uh, they won two games because of that power forward of theirs who looks like a 40 year old man. No, no, I'm not talking about Wispy Mustache, homie, with his receding hairline. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the 101 year old Sister June who once again took Loyola and rose them up. Riz the, them up. Not words, but I'm just excited to give her credit. Now, we don't know how many tournaments Sister Jean has left, but she has made the most out of her two NCAA appearances. Six wins for the English. Sister Jean is, is one for the history books. Absolutely. What a, what a good soul and a good human being. Um, I don't even... I li- uh, Baylor won the tournament, right? Yes. Okay. Baylor Bears over Gonzaga Bulldogs. Uh, the two sort of consensus teams... Consensus best teams in the country. We did have Baylor in our tournament. We I would like to say we did have Baylor in our final four for a mascot bracket. We did actually pretty well on that. Just saying that is that is good. Uh, we had and we had Alabama beat uh, losing to Drexel. I don't remember how Alabama did, but I don't think they did particularly well. Uh, Alabama didn't do poorly. Um, they were expected to go further than they did, but I believe they made it to the round I think of sixteen. Lost, I think they lost to UCLA. Yes. Because uh, yeah. yeah, UCLA was in the final four. So anyway, uh, Drexel. We're proud of you guys for making it in the tournament. Um, gave me an excuse to use the Dragon Tales theme as outro music, which I didn't know I ever wanted to do. So just congrats all around. Uh, one of our weirder choices, but it was a good one. Uh, also, uh, for anyone who may remember, uh, for the year in review shows, we had people give us well wishes. Um, I had uh, pointed out that the GOZ, famous two-time guest of Underemployed, had not. Uh, he sent one shortly after the episode, and I forgot to play it. So I'm, we might as well just do it now. Uh, get this, get this played, and let's listen. Yeah, it's your boy. First and foremost, I think we passed podcast. Just what that said. Just want to send my congratulations to my boys. 
Jack the Snack Selby, David the Hitman Hart, Chia, your boy, but not your boy toy. Uh. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, he ended it on a random Shawn Michaels reference, which I greatly appreciate. Um, I also like, I think Jack the Snack Selby would have been a terrific nickname when, in my fatter days. And I don't know how we never called myself Jack the Snack Selby. I don't know how that never came up in any of our conversations of, you've known, you knew me for every one of my fat days and somehow Jack the Snack was never a nickname. I don't know, because just felt like a, that, that's a mean, that, that is, unless it's an ironic nickname, is just too mean. David, I have given you very mean nicknames in the past. Yeah. And, <laughs> it comes from a place you know, of love. Uh, that would, I don't know. There are some lines that I just don't like crossing. I understand. That's fair enough. Um, also, I like the Jay-Z impression, but it, it sounded like a combination of Jay-Z and Jim Jones, not the cult leader, the rapper, uh, which also... Well, yes and, yes and no. Look at me, look at me on both of them. Uh, anyway, so thank you, GOZ. We will have you back for some bracket in the future. Um, if if Jim Jones, the rapper, was to ever establish a self-sufficient colony, it would absolutely be Jonestown. Well, well said. Uh, with He would have diplomatic immunity. That's a, that's a great inner hip-hop reference. Oh, man. Oh, man. So we have a few... I, I guess we end on... We begin on sort of a uh, more somber note... Um, we we lost a true well we lost two true pioneers in hip hop since we last recorded an episode. Uh, the most recent one is one that is very near and dear to David and myself. Um, uh, we lost Shock G, better known throughout the ether of the world as uh, as Humpty Hump. And what makes it more tragic for us is we lost Shock G four months after we gave Shock G the first ever underemployed lifetime achievement award. Uh, I mean, we gave it to Humpty Hump, but you know, like this hit, this felt like it hit closer to home, David. I mean, I'm glad he, he got to get the award while he was still alive, but this just hit close to home. It, it's shock. G's probably the first, first rap death where I'm sort of caught off guard. Um, and I, you know, take, you know, you know the the people who who, who have gone suddenly that have not been surprised about. Well, we talked. Uh, I've, I've made my feelings of those people known. I was going to say episode fourteen. I think we talked about Mac Miller and how that was sort of uh, it's still tragic, but not a surprise. But yeah, Shakshi, I actually didn't. I mean, it came out later. I didn't know he had a bad drug problem throughout his life and his career. So I mean, I it, unfortunately, I, I guess it sort of might explain why at fifty seven he went. Yeah. In the manner that, you know, in, in, in a very sort of a hushed manner. And, there, you know, you can sort of read the writing on the wall when those sort of deaths happen. Um, and it's still very tragic, still very sad. Yeah. Um, a very interesting that, like, you know, he was always sort of a, a, a character uh, from what he wore to especially award shows to you know, the sort of way he conducted himself, like he was clearly trying to push the boundaries and was always doing what he wanted to do. And, you know, well, gotta respect that. Well, even the Humpty, even uh, the Humpty dance is sort of plays off that idea of like, he just, yeah, I called you fat. Look at me. I'm skinny. You know, it's just like, 
and he yeah. make fun of his no the nose the character wore and all that stuff. I mean that that's sort of the genesis of that song is. I feel like I need to be Humpty for Halloween this year. You know what? That would be we, we'll get you a big nose, the big glasses, the the jacket. We'll let grow out the high top fade. Um, no, I'm gonna wear the hat. Okay, that might be fine. But uh, yeah, I think that's the Jack, way to go. There's nothing high top about my hairline. I uh, that's. It might be true. I was going to say maybe a wig, but I think you're probably best to just wear the hat. Um, just wear the just wear the toque. And speaking of not surprising rap deaths, um, I mean, I actually, I mean, we have another one, but Black Rob dying was sort of like, oh, I didn't know Black Rob was had kidney f- issues, but you know, he was fairly young, but that's you know, um, you'll notice the trend here. Yeah, and uh, but DMX was the big one who, it's 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 the it is maybe the least surprising rap death in my life, honestly. Um, it just is like, and that's. I'm a huge DMX fan of his music. The person himself had a lot of a lot of flaws, um, but I don't know. It, it, like it, it was one where you're not surprised it happened, but it still kind of shocks you a bit when it happens. Because I mean, it was a week of all of a sudden he's in the hospital, basically. He's in a coma. He's like on life support. And then yeah. within the week he was dead, and it just sort of. I don't know. It's not uh, David. Maybe you feel different. It just wasn't surprising, but it was still kind of sad. He had been doing so well. Like he had had a, a, such a good like year and last year and a half, maybe two years. Like he'd really, I think, he had worked on himself and he was looking better and sounding better and really introspective and openly introspective about his experiences in life and like where they led him and you know he he did that he did the verses with snoop and like it was clear he was struggling after a while but like snoop being snoop just made it a show and entertained and like helped him helped him you know finish that show out and put on a good set like I'm just, it's, it's a huge bummer. Like, uh, DMX was DMX was one of those guys who was a very, very like weirdly of his time, but oh, yeah. also a pioneer in his own right. Like he was one of the first rappers. He was one of the first people to like, catalyze. Uh, sorry, to uh, to cash in on a viral moment. Because there was the moment where he did the like slingshot ride at an amusement park with his daughter, and it went sort of it went viral in the old days, which was like what a million and a half hits, yeah, exactly. maybe two. And pre YouTube, it would be long. Yeah, pre you know, yeah, YouTube. YouTube. Like that, that was that was the thing. Is this was going viral pre YouTube? On like on real player from like a LimeWire download or something. Yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, and and it just sort of he was such a caricature, and like you said, he's very 
of his time, but he was also sort of this groundbreaker where, you know, post Biggie's death, well, even Biggie led to it, but the rap that was huge in 97 was Puffy and Mace and the shiny suits and the samples and all that. And out of the blue, here comes DMX, who had kind of had a buzz in the underground for years and had some guest spots here and there, but like took the world by storm and was like the big, one of the biggest names in music legit for a few years. Like it's crazy to think about, but we talked way back in the day that Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood was the number one selling album Christmas week. 670,000 copies with that album cover. Well, it's a very, so that was what, 96 you said? So 98 was X's. 98, so the the 90s was a very weirdly angry generate, like decade music wise. Yeah. Like, what exactly do these people have to, like these people are just sort of mad at the, mad at their parents and mad about trivial bullshit outside of like, Nirvana, Rage Against the Machine, uh, The Roots, Public Enemy, and like, at least in America, maybe three or four other bands. And they're just like, they're the ones who are mad about like reasonable shit. Yeah. Well, and and and, 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 then, and then you have X coming in and like taking that rage to the nth degree and like, really just exploring the space. Yeah, I mean, again, the opening line, I mean, for all intents and purposes of the second album is the the now legendary I got blood on my hands and there's no remorse. I got blood on my dick cuz I fucked the corpse. Which I hope is like put in the Smithsonian recording one day because that is an iconic line in music history. Um but it was just such a weird thing that he came out of nowhere to be like he was kind of uncompromisingly himself. Like, even on Party Up, I mean, those are real gutter verses, like, you know, and it's funny how gutter those shit is. I mean, he had very, very problematic lyrics. He had very, like, aggressive lyrics. Um, he had funny lyrics, whether they were intentional or not. I think the line from How's It Going Down where he says, knew she was a thug because when I met her, she had a scarf on. Doesn't make any fucking sense, but boy, does it make me laugh. Or the the ver the second verse of what these bitches want, where he literally just starts naming names of ladies he's boinked. That is, that is three uh, different Kims. <laughs> he also, I think, in the verse says about three Kims. So he's like, yeah, it sounds about right. I think there were three Kims. It was just. <laughs> There was Brenda, Letitia, Linda, Felicia, Dawn, LaShawn, Inez, and Alicia, Teresa, Monica, Sharon, Nikki, Lisa, Veronica, Karen, Vicky, Cookies. Oh, I met her in an ice cream parlor. Tanya, Diane, Lori, and Carla, Marina, Selena, Katrina, Sabrina, about three Kim, Latoya, Tina, Shelly, Bridget, Kathy, Rashida, Kelly, Nicole, Angel, Juanita, Stacy. Tracy, Rana, and Rhonda, Donna, Yolanda, Tawana, and Wanda. And that was a single. It was a chart, like, a, on the chart single. With Cisco. <laughs> and he's just naming, it's like 40-something ladies. Is, is, there, is there a more odd couple, music-wise, than DMX and Cisco? That's a close one. That's a close one. Because, again, DMX on every song, even if it's a pop single, was really spitting some raw, kind of disgusting gutter shit. <laughs> <laughs> and would all 
also showing people up on their own on their own singles. Yeah, um, that's how he sort of got his buzz. Was money it's like power. ludicrous. Ludicrous, yeah. Who, as we have always said, doesn't have the best solo discography, but man, you give him a guest first. You, oh, I, oh man, the gossip folks first. Go out of your way to listen to that verse. It is, it is so immaculately good. But um, <laughs> I just, I'm looking at some of the lyrics I, I kept to myself after X died. Of like, even from where the hood at was a big single for him, and that is such a problematic song for a lot of reasons. Yeah, oh yeah, like, oh yeah. Like the the homophobia in the first verse is kind of playing off a Jaw Rule song, but it's still pretty pretty intense and like. Oh, it doesn't fly in this day. And age. No, it really does. It barely flew in those days, <laughs> and, um, right. and that was uh, well. That, that was almost twenty years ago. Fire. Yeah. Like every verse sounded like it was spit in a prison, but yeah, man, it's it's. He's a guy who famously just struggled with drugs his whole life and with being in and out of prison. Um, my cousin Will has a story about he knows people who lived in Rhode Island said they went out with drinking, with DMX drinking in Rhode Island a few years ago and he was just like, just shit faced beyond recognition and all that, but like still had a good heart, but you know, he's DMX to the some of the Some of the videos that came out after his death he truly had established himself a Bill Murray like legacy of like DMX will show up at the most random places and is just all in for the party. January 24th, 2018, the headline DMX buys people shots, gives sermon at St. Louis airport chilies. <laughs> DMX spent Monday night at a Chili's in St. Louis St. Louis Lambert International Airport preaching the good word of the Lord while handing out shots. The rapper had performed at uh, their arena with E-40, Scarface, and more. That's also a fun tour. Monday night found him at the airport bar speaking on his relationship with God and, according to eyewitnesses, purchasing shots for himself and those with whom he was speaking. That's... uh, That's the most DMX headline I've ever read in my entire life. Absolutely magnificent. I forgot I had just pulled that up just in case we needed to say it. And then I, like, that was the perfect time to pull. Yeah, he is the Bill Murray of the rap world. He just, uh, legendary stories. Uh, like, I could, I, I, it's, so much was his, was, was the sort of character that he was that, like, I could make up a story and you'd be like, yeah, it sounds about, sounds reasonable. That's why, and that's You'd a, believe almost any story about DMX showing up, like, DMX was spotted at like somewhere in Cuba. Like DMX, DMX was the like lead lead for a carnival somewhere, and you'd be like, <laughs> "Yeah, okay." I, I okay. I, I, that is such a perfect analogy that he is the built. He is like Bill Murray. I I wouldn't have thought that, but that's a brilliant. You're right because I be, I believed my cousin Will when he told the story. I mean, not that it's his personal, but I was like, "Yeah, of course." DMX was at bars in Rhode Island getting shit faced. Why wouldn't DMX be at a in Rhode Island getting shit-faced. Of course he is. Uh, also, never forget, DMX did Phil Collins better than Phil Collins. Listen to I Can Feel It from uh, It's Dark and Hell is Hot. I promise you people, it's better than the Phil Collins version. Oh, and his, and his uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There is no better version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Not from the movie. Not from anyone recording it. Not Bing Crosby. Not Sinatra. Nobody. Nobody. The- 
You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen But do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Come on! Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Had a very shiny nose uh, And if you ever saw him You would even say it close Come on! Come on! The, the one that I wanted to hear, I'm not sure if he ever did, was uh the children's book Llama Llama Red Pajama. I've never heard of Llama Llama Red Pajama, but I so I, there was I, I believe it was a radio station in Atlanta was having various rappers when they came onto the show, so as they're like as their final bit to, to read this children's book, and they had there's one of Ludacris doing it, there's one of Migos doing it, there's yeah. one of Travis Scott doing it. So unfortunately. DMX never did it. However, it was a Google autofill in result, meaning that people also wanted to see the same thing. They really <laughs> were hoping that DMX had read Llama Llama Red Pajama. Unfortunately, oh, that would have been incredible. Uh, and DMX would have 1000% done it and put his heart and soul into it. Uh, DMX might be the most perfect example of flawed human of like, there was so much good with him and so many bad things with him. But ultimately, he had a good heart and... I'm I'm kind of I'm sad he couldn't beat his demons, but 50 years he he li- he lived a hell of a life in those 50 years, and uh, you know a song like Slippin' uh, it 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 always when I was going through when I was in the bad parts of my depression Slippin' hit even really harder. I I, I implore people not implore I would recommend to people if, to listen to DMX's first album. It's Dark and Hell is Hot. Like it's a noir great front to back album, but. Uh, but as we said, you know, not a surprising death, but a sad death. Um, let's move on to sp- let's kind of on a lighter topic. Let's move on to sports. Um, and David, you have to explain this proposed super league in soccer that I never, un- I didn't quite understand. Uh, obviously, this is your wheelhouse. So, in the What's be- proposed super league, uh, it is it is dead. So, um, what happened? Okay, so thing you need to the, th- the sort of treetops thing that you need to understand with European soccer is there are different levels to club competition, and that I mean that in both a sort of literal sense and then figurative sense, different levels to it. Um, so you have the different tiers to the systems. Think about minor leagues in baseball, but every team is independent; nobody is owned by a bigger team. Uh, top three teams. From team, team, you know, the leagues are ranked one to four, and that's considered your your league football league. And this is this is specifically in England. And then the groupings of the people in leagues is the division. And what the super, what the sort of leagues do that everybody has all these different competitions that are going on. You could be playing in three or four different competitions concurrently, unlike American sports where you have just the one. Is that making sense so far? Yes. Okay. So, with the top league, and this is the only league that we're going to concern ourselves with, is just the top league in essentially a power five countries, very similar to college sports. Uh, your power five countries would be Germany, France, England, Spain, and Italy. Uh, and what the these teams do is the top four teams from their leagues get thrown into a bigger league called the Champions League uh, with some individual, maybe one or two teams from other countries, smaller countries, uh, your Belgiums, your Netherlands, etc., etc. 
what the Super League, or so with, with the Champions League, it's it's more of a meritocracy system. It is obviously weighted towards the bigger European countries, uh, at least the Power Fives, like I said. Uh, and what this proposed Super League would do would give 12 teams in three of those countries in six cities essentially guaranteed placement at a ripoff of the Champions League without ever earning it. Um, so it was it, it, it is seen as a really big affront to the organized structure of the European game. It really blemishes the perceived relationships between these communities and these teams because unlike American teams that move or change names, uh, the the communities around the teams for a lot of these soccer teams is, you know, there's a hundred something years of history. You know, there are clubs that are, you know, uh, cl- clubs like the Sheffield Wednesday that, you know, have, are the oldest operating professional soccer ground on the planet. Like, they take some pride in, in the locality and in these very specific clubs and earning their way to, air quotes, glory. Uh, and a lot of these issues are connected to American owners with the Super League is connected to American owners and then a couple of owners from two very specific teams or owner and a managing director uh, who see the way that American sports work and want that, those guaranteed payments like, oh, 300 million every year? Yeah, absolutely. Like, regardless of how you perform in your domestic league, regardless of whether you win a trophy or not, you've got yeah. Oh, you're you're Real Madrid. And you're playing Tottenham Hotspur, some stupid midweek game for a trophy that doesn't really matter. But they're you know some of the biggest marketed teams on the planet, so people are going to watch. So it sounds kind of like the way you describe it. If it sounds kind of like if like you kind of mentioned, if say ten or fifteen really big colleges in men's division one basketball just got together yes. and said we're gonna start our own league and we're gonna no, have our own, our, not even our own league our own like our own division conference something so our own march madness but we also yeah. still want to play in march madness right. yeah but we get our own separate cut yes yeah so it, it is exactly that so picture you know like duke north carolina six schools know. out of the pack 12 uh Two school, three schools out of the Big Ten, and two teams from the the ACC, all get together and they are like, we're going to have this basketball tournament separate of the NCAA. We're going to invite four other teams, yeah. maybe six other teams, to come and play in this tournament with us, and they're going to get a cut. But they're who who that person who, who those people are isn't guaranteed outside of the founding twelve. Right. And so that was just like it's it's really soured some some already tenuous relationships with some of these teams and their communities around them. Uh, Arsenal and Man United in the United States in in the UK being the two that are most susceptible to it because outside ownership and just sort of general not great long-standing sentiment towards the ownership. Uh, Man U are owned by the Glazers, who own the Buccaneers. Uh, and then Arsenal is owned by Stan Kroenke, who owns the uh, Rams. And the Cons own um, somebody. Fulham, which, Fulham. out of the picture. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. 
Premier uh, League team getting relegated. So <laughs> don't even. Says something about the cons. The cons are billionaires, and they aren't even playing in the same. Like they're not even in the same pool. Yeah, I know you have a personal connection to the cons because they own your favorite your football team. But that's. Yeah. Um, but so so what was because it, it was pretty quick between them announcing this was going to happen and the reaction was like you said universally kind of thumbs down and then a couple days later just said nah. So what was that? What was the kind of catalyst? So, I mean, the blowback came from a number of different sources. Uh, within Spain, the director of La Liga, which is their top flight, and then he also sort of is, I, I, as I understand, informally would then speak for the sort of football pyramid there overall. Uh, and he was like, oh, there will be sanctions. There will be punishments for Madrid, Barcelona, and Atletico Madrid. And it was like, this is an affront. This is absolute horseshit. Like, you all can win it like everybody else. So, uh, so it was. It was pretty quickly where everyone said, you know, let's. Uh... Yeah. I, so, what's very telling is that sort of when it was released, it was released middle of the night uh, for them, middle of the night uh, European time on a Sunday, and it's like 7 a.m. Sunday here or 8 a.m sunday here uh, and you know next day there are protests outside um there is immediate blowback from the governing body for club soccer in europe uefa and then there's immediate reaction from fifa essentially saying that teams whose players so any player that competes in this proposed competition will be barred from competing for uefa or fifa for the rest of their lives. So they weren't even entertaining it. They said, no, fine. No, no, yeah, yeah. not even. <laughs> we said, no, this isn't happening. So It's too corrupt for FIFA, and that's just... Even I know how corrupt FIFA is, and I, as you know, know almost nothing about soccer. But and, I, and I know how legendarily corrupt FIFA is. What's, what's truly amazing is that this gave FIFA all sorts of cover to sneak in some Champions League changes that are just really shysty and do effectively the same thing as the Super League without doing the Super League. So these these teams have now burned so much goodwill over, you know, they're not necessarily going to get the $300 million a year payout, but like, they're going to get nearly guaranteed Champions League because what's happening is there's going to, they're, they're adding things like a historical coefficient. So if, if for some reason Real Madrid drops to like eighth place in the La Liga table. Well, because they've won 10 of the trophies, which is the most out of any team. Yeah. Hey guys, yeah, come on in. The, 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 FIFA, on. the FIFA moment that stands out for me in my life that I remember of how corrupt they were was when they gave uh, Cutter the World Cup. Yep. <laughs> it, it gets to be about, and I'm not exaggerating, about 175 degrees in July. <laughs> yeah, it's so... That, that's fun because now there are a couple of national teams that have protested Cutter's uh, human rights record because something like, you know, reportedly, uh, and this is, you know, what they've kept track of, 6,000, only, you know, 6,000 people have died on the, on the job building the stadiums. Uh, it's estimated to be like twice, three times that. I actually can't wrap my and it's, mind around. And it's essentially slave labor. I can't. I cannot actually wrap my mind around around twenty thousand people dying from 
because I I can't actually. I'm wow. I am I am absolutely not gonna watch the next World Cup. Yeah. Like I I just I just can't do it. Well, um, I mean, you protested the last one because we weren't in it. And I remember you saying if it, if Amer- <laughs> if if it's USA or no go for me. I, you've always been very patriotic, which I always respected about you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. It's just. I just. I don't know if I can do it. I. I it feels. It feels really icky. Uh, it feels really awful that like FIFA just sort of comes in and becomes a fiefdom in whatever country is hosting the tournament, and you know, like FIFA takes all of the tax. They take all of the tax revenue while the tournament's happening. Like nothing. FIFA gets everything, and it's just. Fucking bonkers to me. Hide the money, y'all. There's poor people around. <laughs> With your broke ass. It's hard. Uh, it's hard because we all have those, you know, like every league we root for, everything we has a degree of like, and and some more than others where you go like, man, I'm not comfortable with this, and yeah. everyone has their limit, and and sometimes the the limit gets crossed, and yeah, I mean, the World Cup is the the biggest thing for the sport you like the most, and uh, and. And, like, Champions League yearly, the Champions League final dwarfs the Super Bowl. Yeah. And Super Bowl, like, sets new records in the U.S. every year and doesn't even crack 100 million people. Yeah. Champions League is, like, 250 million people watching worldwide. Yeah. Well, I mean, famously, our football is just, it's its huge here and doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. I mean, no. Like, very, ta- very, like minimally in like other North American parts, but like barely. And it's like non-existent. So yeah, I mean, it may, it, but I can also get to your point why it's hard for you to watch. It would be hard for you to watch the world cup where it's like, I just, it, there's too much, like there's too much, there's too many, there's too much blood on too many hands. And mm-hmm. you know, I totally get and too, and too much crime. Yeah. Too much visible crime. I mean, that's, we all, you know, we all have our, cutoffs in life so i get it but the next world cup will you you got some it's also happening in the winter so it's happening in the middle of the club season oh right so a lot of clubs are really pissed off about this so it's going to be interesting to see who even gets to leave did they move it to the winter because it's in cutter yep that's right i remember that 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 Mm -hmm. was their compromise they're like okay it'll only be 96 degrees outside in february or whatever we can hold it but i do know this Fucking shameless. Because uh, the that World Cup will be full of people in the stands. Let's think now as we're recording this on April 27th. Uh, David, you just got your second shot today. I did. Congratulations. You're going to feel like shit in a couple hours. Um, I, I got it at 8 a.m. I feel like if I... 8.45. If I haven't started to feel like shit yet... Who knows? Well, fingers crossed for you, buddy. Watch me eat these words. Yeah. Oh, I will literally go out of my way before we release this and just add something to, to say if you feel like shit. Surprisingly, as I am editing this episode at 5 o'clock on Wednesday evening, uh, David told me that he's feeling great and he's feeling fine. So, uh, ironically enough, he may have avoided the worst of it. So, no eating of words for David. At least not this particular part of this particular episode. There will be plenty of time for word eating on every single future underemployed episode. You know, uh, my second shot's a week from today. We're getting we're we're getting pretty close to normal, but um, we haven't been normal for thirteen plus months. So we kind of have to reintegrate ourselves Are into we society. Ever? 
I don't, I don't, I don't need your philosophical bullshit right now, David. But this is a podcast. Sorry, I've got a liberal arts degree. Of course, I have it. It's the only thing it's useful for. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, um, it kind of got me thinking about maybe this is a chance to reshape things we took for granted and reshape the way we approach things. Um, one thing that comes to mind is concerts. Concerts will probably be one of the last things to come back, but they will come back, you know, a couple months, a few months. So my advice is, you know, when we go back to concerts, and David, I think you'll agree with me on this because we've talked about this on the show. Um, let's use this as a new opportunity when we go to concerts to not upload 17 videos of the concert to our Instagram and Snapchat stories, right? Would you agree with that? I mean, first, who who still uses Snapchat in that sort of manner? But that, secondly, that's true. Yeah, that's true. It's, it, that's that's at least mercifully merged onto Instagram, where there's like so much I can just kind of ignore it. But and you can see the how long it is. But um, yeah, let's let's do that, people. Take a sh- couple shots of the stage and the stadium and the venue. But that's it. A it sounds of- like shit. It sounds like shit. I've never sat through even pretty much artists I like. The only time I ever did it, I, I had a friend who went to a Jay-Z Beyonce concert and posted some videos. I was like, well, I'm, I'm a huge Jay-Z fan, so I'll watch a couple of these. But like, even then, it's like, it's, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't mean anything to me. So we get a second chance at life. Let's do that. Let's go, when we go to concerts, everybody, just enjoy the music. I don't want to see your videos. I don't want to see you screaming along to some dubstep DJ that I've never heard of, like DJ Twinkle Tits or whatever his name is. I don't care. I don't care about DJ Twinkle Tits. Play something else. Uh, dubstep? Jesus, man. Or EDM. I don't know what the kids are into these days. Again, Jesus, man. I, I, don't, I, don't know what the, I don't know what the kids are into these days, David. I'm 28. I, I've lost my, my youth pass a long time ago. Jack, you never had it. Also, for the record... When was the last time you bought a record made this decade? Um, have I listened to an album that came out this year, in 2021? Yes. Hmm. No, no, I haven't. <laughs> and it's almost May. No, I haven't. Now, I will say in 2018, I listened to like... 20 albums, which is a lot in any year for me. Uh, there were a lot of big rap releases that year. And then the last couple of years, not so much. Um, so I, I think we didn't do album of the year this year in the undies. Because I was like, I, I haven't listened to many new albums. I, but I try to keep up on what the youths are listening to. Your Harry Styles, your Billie Eilishes, all those those folk. I, I try to keep up on what the kids are listening to. Uh, the the driver's license song. I've heard that a few times. You know, I know what the what the kids are listening to. I know I know what they're into. What's on the top forty? Yeah, I, I keep I keep my eyes peeled. You know, I'm a newsman in some way. I have to do that. Um, but to answer your question, no, I haven't listened to uh, an album that came out in 2021. Almost halfway through the year. I'm also just looking forward to going to weddings again. Because weddings were such a the backbone of underemployed for so long. Especially as, again, David is 31 and I'm about to be 29. This is prime wedding life. This is prime us going to wedding seasons. And uh, so once they start going, we will be talking about them again. But I have missed weddings. But I don't know. Is there anything you would like to change about weddings, David, now that we get like a second chance at weddings? Because you go to a million weddings. 
learned how much the average wedding costs in this country. Uh, and it's it's five figures. Mm, yeah. Average wedding in this country costs five figures, and that's some of that's money that could be much better spent just giving it straight to the bride and groom. Yeah. <laughs> just like. So your solution, if I'm reading into it, is uh, make make it more acceptable to have more wedding gifts. Just be straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. I mean, yeah, sure, but also like instead of I don't know. I mean, so much of the wedding industry is selling a dream and you know that's all really anything is but there's some of it that's just like un unnecessarily expensive and not necessarily extortionary but sometimes seemingly exorbitant and then you know if you want to get married in the spring and you want to have this caterer well you're gonna to have to pay an extra because it's a premium and like it's wedding season you gotta you know have it all unless you want to plan it for three years out you know what I um it's I read somewhere and it's true it's it's you can just have basic stuff but if you slap a wedding or funeral on front of it it's just whoop well let's jack up the price for it when it's the same thing <laughs> which is why we talked we talked a lot with Quinn and Miriam about like specifically don't give me an expensive funeral like we both said independently like do not give me an expensive funeral um i don't want an expensive nah. funeral um i want i to, want a viking funeral that that's, w- I that's the way you've got to go we got to light your fucking casket on fire and put it in whatever you body have to of water shoot it out i don't care if you have to anchor it to a specific spot and then you just take you you, you have a, a stack of arrows but i want someone to launch a flaming arrow Onto a boat and set me off, set my remains on. Fire. Is there an able body of water in Fredericksburg that we can do that? I this is a rat panic. I, I mean that counts. I mean it's we're I think we're it's a river. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean we're I guess we're maybe not trying to pollute it as it's much. It's at least a hundred feet wide. Okay, then your casket should fit um, unless we just go for the four XL casket, which I can't imagine why we would. Um, yeah, we'll make that work. But yes, anything with a wedding or a funeral attached to it is like super expensive. It's why my sister got married on a Sunday because she said it's way less expensive to get married on a Sunday. Um, and, uh, you know, it makes sense. I mean, my, well, as we said, my, my dream wedding will now not happen just due to unforeseen circumstances, but, um, with Julia Fox, um, apparently, new, apparently Jack, new dreams can happen all the time. Yeah. But that one was really cool for like a week before the news came out. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm fine. I'll be fine. Um, yeah, I'll be fine. Uh, also one last note on that sense. Uh, when you go to strip clubs, you know, uh, same thing you'll be able to individually go... bag the, your twenties. Exactly. You know what? Strippers might like twenties instead of ones makes them feel better. I mean, it's a job where sometimes they probably feel demeaned due to bad acting people and people acting in bad faith. You know what? A nice crisp 20 could do the job. Not $1 bills. Don't treat them like objects. David knows all about this. He's being a strip club connoisseur that he is. You just treat them with respect and love. As as two chains is apt, as, as the hat two chains is apt to wear. Strip club veteran. Yes. Uh, for the record, David has never been to a strip club. <laughs> I have been to one strip club. Uh, so I'm not really in a position to talk out here in, uh, out here in West Virginia. But anyway... Yes, these are some of the things you can do now that things are opening up. Just keep that in mind. Uh, weddings, strip clubs, concerts. The cornerstones of life. 
the foundations of the American economy God. and therefore all infrastructure. God bless America. What a great country we live in. Speaking of a great country we live in, last story. Not not quite news jabs, but a news jab like story. Um, as D- David knows the story. Texas woman faced felony charge for not returning VHS tape over two decades ago. Uh, David, do you remember what movie uh, she was rented at her name that she didn't return? No. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Starring Melissa Joan Hart? Yes. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Starring Melissa Joan Hart. Uh, Not seeing Nick Bakai. Maybe that was pre-Nick Bakai. I don't know. But but yes. Uh, The woman in Texas... uh, said that she had never watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch so that she said a former uh, a former boyfriend likely rented it in her name and then didn't return it to the video store. But apparently, uh, because she hadn't returned it, she faced felony embezzlement charges in Oklahoma. Um, How did it not just go to collection? Or like her membership terminated? Yeah. How does it get to that point? That I don't understand. Because like at some point, at some point, wouldn't wouldn't like the IRS be notified about that? Like, hey, you owe some institu- some public in- like if you owed a bank that much money, like there would be liens put on your paychecks and like your property. That's what she was. That's kind of her defense, and I think will be a reasonable defense. Is her saying we were never? I was never alerted to this. I don't have the tape. And yes, she was charged in March of two thousand. By the way, the same month that Shaq scored a career high 61 points. I just like to throw that out there. Um, and the location, movie place, went out of business in 2008. Yeah, when the place goes out of business, that should be the end of the debt. Yeah. She also believes she may have been let go from different jobs over the last 21 years due to the felony charge showing up on background checks. The charges were eventually dropped, by the way. Like, So the story has a happy ending. But yeah, that poor woman for two decades had a felony on her record that was very unjust. <laughs> She didn't know about it. She didn't. wasn't responsible for it. Um, but hopefully, just American justice. Yeah, you know what? I, I that sounded a little sarcastic. Uh, but you know, the the, the American Me? justice. <laughs> American society. Yeah, Never. no. You're very never sarcastic about that. But congratulations to Karen Never. McBride for having her. I love this country. Thank Everything you. it stands for. That might be how we end the episode. Episode forty nine of Underemployed in the books. Uh, this was great because I just got to catch up with David, who I've actually seen a couple times uh, the last few weeks, but we just chatted for 45 minutes before we even started recording. Uh, you, you people will probably never be privileged to that wonderful conversation. Uh, we talked about a lot of great stuff, uh, some of which we would never put on the show for various reasons. Very good content. We, we are content creators at its core. Speaking of which, we're, all, we're always thinking ahead. We're like a, we're a embodiment of a chessboard. We're six steps ahead of you. Episode 50, coming up. Boards aren't sentient. They are in this metaphor. Don't, don't, don't ruin my momentum. Just, I don't need that. I don't need that negative energy right now. I'm on a good roll. I don't need your negativity. I need your positivity right now. Positive vibes only. One, two, three, positive vibes. That's all I need. Oh, you're sounding a lot like Adam Newman right now. I don't know who that is. I just need positive The WeWork guy. Vibes. Have you not watched that documentary on Hulu yet? No, I have not. I don't have Hulu. Uh, oh. Uh, oh. Anyway. Before I hear about another documentary that I got to put on the back burner for now. Episode 50, coming up. No spoilers yet, but we have an idea of what we want to do. We have an idea of who we want to have on the show, because every 10 episodes we have guests. And this will be a special one. Here's a hint. Repeat guests. 
or should I say repeat guests, plural. That would that kind of gives it away, I suppose. But, you know, uh, we'll be the first in-person guests we've, well, I guess Brittany was kind of in person, but the first one where we're together since, uh, since we had uh, Wellen on the show. Mm-hmm. Which, God Almighty, was almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. Time sure flies. It's kind of alarming and sad in a way. Also kind of crazy that we've done almost 50 episodes of this of this podcast. When a lot of people said um, you shouldn't do five episodes of this podcast. A lot of people said, um, they said the famous Marge line. Didn't say, I didn't say you couldn't. I said you shouldn't. D-Marge, I told you they could deep fry my shirt. I didn't say they couldn't. I said you shouldn't. But here we are, David. We're so close to 50, which is the golden something. I don't know, but... Suck it, haters! Yeah. All you hate, all you haters out there, can't <laughs> yeah. get on our level. You can't stop this money from coming in. You can't stop us from living that baller lifestyle. You can't stop this train from coming through. You can't stop this money pile from coming in. You can't stop this big mode from choo chewing its way through. You can't stop it. You can't stop Lord, I am not perfect by a long shot. I confess to you daily. But I work hard every day, and I hope that you hear me. In my heart, I mean well, but if you'll help me to grow, then what I have in my heart will begin to show. And when I get going, I'm not looking back for nothing, because I will know where I'm headed, and I'm so tired of the suffering. I stand before you, a weakened version of your reflection, begging for direction, for my soul needs resurrection.